What's popping? How you feeling tonight, Cole? I'm feeling. I, I listen. NBA. After watching last night's, and Con said it right before we got on the show. After watching last night's game between Boston and Golden State, which felt like a playoff game, got me revved up. Football's winding down. The NBA is king. February, March, and April. Uh, that and college basketball. It's a yep. great time of the year. So uh, I'm looking forward to some good basketball talk, and you know. We're getting close and closer to the all-star break, getting down in the nitty-gritty, watching these teams form out. So I feel great. How you feeling? No complaints, no complaints. And we're joined today by con man himself. <laughs> What's up, cool? What's up, Gene? And uh, you know, we, hey, you know, me and Gene, as we talked before the show, I mean, playoff atmosphere last night's game, and um, uh, NBA is about to be popping off, man. We're going to have a good time watching these games. Hell yeah. What's up, Key? What's oh, the up, boss Freddy? is in the house. <laughs> yeah, here this comes. 20 and 2016. Here's, here's this guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, does he have to come on the show, man, for real? <laughs> What's up, Ty? <laughs> hey, man. Um, you know. You could talk something about certain teams all the time just because of what they do or don't do. But around here, we just gonna kind of kick it with what's really popping, right? So let's do what we do every week here, man. We just kind of go drop you that top uh, six real quick just to give you an idea of uh, how things are looking in the conferences, right? You know, sometimes they have a little movement. Sometimes everything's a status quo, but gives you a, a lot little, of movement this week going on. A lot of movement this week. Last week, you was on this show, and when you went over the top four in the Eastern Conference, and I said, man, you got to mention the Philadelphia 76. You're like, oh, we'll get to them. They're sixth. <laughs> they were sixth last week. Yeah, were they not? Yeah, they was, yeah. That was fast. You know what I'm saying? It was fast. A lot, a lot of things happened in the week. We're going on a uh, West Coast road trip, sweep Ooh. out them Cali boys, Lakers, Clippers, head up to Portland. You're actually eight and two in your last 10 games. Yes, sir. But we always start at the top. So the top on the East right now is still the Boston Celtics, 34 and 12. And they are also 8 and 2 in their last 10 games. And they've won eight in a row. So, you know, Boston's looking real strong uh, so far. Again, as you said before, uh, we haven't even gotten to the All Star break. So there's a time still for a lot of movement. But, you know, based on what we have now, they're looking strong. Uh, Milwaukee right now is 29-16. They're in second place. They're 6-4 in their last 10. Uh, they've, they've won two in a row. And they're actually tied with your Sixers, but due to um, their divisional record being a little bit better, uh, they're, they're at second. But you're both 29-16. Um, we've already talked about, of course, how the 76ers, 8-2, won their last four. All right. Then the fourth, we had the Brooklyn Nets. They were number two, really going strong for a while, but then KD got injured. It happens. I mean, honestly, it's one of those things where certain guys, you're not even surprised anymore when they get injured, unfortunately. And Kevin Durant is definitely one of those guys. If he misses time, I mean, you don't wish it on you. not like, ha-ha, Durant's missing time, but you're just like, it's normal. Um, then rounding out the top six, at number five, we got the Cleveland Cavaliers, 28-18, and 18, um, six and four in their last ten. And then we have Miami. 25 and 21. They're seven and three in their last 10. 
in sixth place. So, guys, your thoughts on anyone? Of course, Gene will have thoughts on the 76ers. But anyone <laughs> six. I'll start with the best team in basketball, the Celtics. They're the best uh-huh. team in, in the NBA. Um, their depth is unbelievable. And listen, I hate admitting now I'm a 76ers fan. But when you can have the rotational pieces, like I think Malcolm Brogdon's been such an underrated move for them. It was talked about a little bit in offseason, but he has been impressive for them coming off the bench. He's probably going to win sixth man of the year. Uh, you got Tatum Brown, who are your starters. Marcus Smart, who's the tough guy in the rotation that kind of give you those gritty minutes. But to be able to go to a Malcolm Brogdon off the bench and keep that second team running with Robert Williams, Grant Williams, like they have so much depth on that basketball team. Uh, Derek White is another underrated player on that team. So when you go seven or eight deep of quality NBA players, it makes those injuries insignificant. Uh, so if like Jalen Brown misses a few games, you, you got a guy like Malcolm Brogdon that can step in and fill yep. that hole. Uh, I, the Celtics are the most well-rounded team in basketball. The 76ers are starting to round in the form. I, I, I hate, I absolutely hate, I don't care if they're on a four-game winning streak, I hate what they're doing with Tyrese Maxey. It, 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 it breaks my heart that he has to be the sacrificial lamb to come off the bench to make Doc feel like he's, he's making coaching moves that make sense. Tyrese Maxey is starting to get frustrated with the 76ers organization and the way they're handling him. And I would hate to lose that young star because that kid is fun to watch and he, he should be a starter on almost every team in the NBA. Now, Gene, it's interesting that you mentioned that. And what's up, Coach Dante? Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that because from I was watching the game, the 76ers of the other night, and they were saying that Tyrese Maxey actually texted Doc and said, I'll come off the bench. Not true. I mean, I'm just telling you what you know what they reported. Like, not yeah, true. I, I'm going to trust the uh, Sixers guy more than that, but I'm just letting you know what was said, what they're you know feeding out into the universe. I want you to watch the interview when they asked Tyrese Maxey about coming off the bench. Watch his body language, watch his tone, watch his facial expressions, <clears throat> and I, I'll let you be the judge for yourself. I don't need to. I don't want. I don't need to sway your opinion. But I followed <laughs> the 76ers team for for years. I followed this kid since his rookie year, at Kentucky. Um, I love him. Kid's got absolute amazing athleticism. He's always smiling. He's a great culture guy for the team. It's not true. I promise you it's not. And that kid never complained about anything in his NBA career. He's never, never so much. You never see him get – I don't think he's got a technical foul in his career. He's just not that kid, that guy. He's an incredible young player with massive energy, explosive quickness, and – um I felt like he was being scapegoated for some of the poor decisions that were made by Doc Rivers. Comment, any teams, uh, you have any thoughts on here in that top six? Well, you know something, man? I want to disagree with Gene, but I can't because he hit it right on the nose. You know what I mean? Uh, Out here and where I'm at in Boston, Mass., they have a pre-Celtics show, a pre-game show, and they had uh, Brogdon on. And they asked him, how was it like? Because he is coming off the bench for the first time in his career. And he said, you know something? We all have to make sacrifices. And he said, look, I made the point that I would make the sacrifice. If you want to win the chip, somebody got to make the sacrifice, and I'll make the sacrifice. And as Gene stated, 
Uh, the Celtics, man, they have a deep bench. And, uh, you know, Williams uh, doing the things he's doing. And the Celtics are the, the most deepest team in the league. And, you know, you got the two, you got Batman and Robin. And uh, they're, they're doing their damn thing as well. Um, as much as I do not like the Celtics and, and cool, you know I don't. But you have to give them props, man. Them guys are playing out their mind. Uh, you know, all the changes they had to go through during the offseason with the escapades uh, that transpired. And uh, they're just they're performing at a high level right now. And uh, they that game last night was a playoff atmosphere. They wanted to send a message to the Lakers. And I think I think they did. And I think this, um, the Boston Celtics are probably the best team in the league right now. So I have to agree with Gene on that one. Hey man, I love to talk about that number two team, the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, the Milwaukee mm-hmm. Bucks team. You must remember, still, and I'm about to start calling him street clothes too. No Chris Middleton, right? So <clears throat> you think about the fact that they're tied for second because I'm just gonna pretty much say tied for second. The records are the same uh, with the uh-huh. 76ers without uh-huh. this without their second best player, right? That's impressive to me as well. You hanging around the top. I think when whole, they can get a Celtics to run for their money as well as other teams at the top of the um, conference, depending on you know when Middleton can get himself back healthy and be a contributing part of the team. If that's too late in the season, you know how that goes. But I think the anticipation of him getting back by um, the All-Star breakers soon after, that should give them time to round themselves in the form. And that's another team that I think is going to be very scary when playoff uh, season comes around as well. I agree. I agree. Now we'll hop over. Um, unless when you guys have any other thoughts on the East, we'll go ahead and hop over to the Western Conference. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I, I have no other. I think the East right now is a three horse race. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be Boston, Milwaukee, and the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Daryl Morey has showed you time and time again, he will make a move around the trade deadline to improve the 76ers roster. But when you have a start lineup of James Harden, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, uh, you got you know D'Anthony Melton uh, starting now, Tyrese Maxey coming off the bench, Joel Embiid, P.J. Tucker for his toughness, they're going to be formidable. They match up versus anybody. There's nobody – like you when you add P.J. Tucker to your team, you have a guy that can go toe-to-toe with Jason Tatum or Giannis throughout the playoffs and or Kevin Durant throughout yep. the playoffs and, and be able to be a – a thorn in their side, why it allows their their stars, Harden, Maxi, and Embiid to get off and score as much as humanly possible. I think the worst possible matchup for Philadelphia 76ers is Boston, but just like the 76ers have no answer for the perimeter defense that the Celtics have, the Celtics have zero answer for Joel Embiid in the middle. Uh, Al Horford used to be the Joel Embiid stopper, but it's not it's not been that way for a year and a half ever since uh, Horford signed with the 76ers and then left. Uh, it, it's almost like in practice, Joel owned him a few times. And when he left, he's never been the same against Joel. Like, so he's not the Joel. You see them constantly putting Robert Williams on him instead of Al Horford to try to give him a little bit more base, a little bit more push. But uh, I think it's a three-horse race in the Eastern Conference. Fair enough, fair enough. Any other thoughts, Conman? Well, you know, <clears throat> I think the Nets still have a, uh, an opportunity when uh, Durant gets back as well. I think uh, 
I mean, they were on a, a winning streak until he got hurt. And uh, right now they're on a losing streak. They lost four games in a row. I think that well, once he comes back, I think they're going to be a team to deal with as well. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the first four teams uh, in the East. I think that uh, that's going to be very interesting to see who ends up on top. But, you know, you know, I think the fact that uh, Milwaukee, Milton, we don't know when he comes back, how he's going to come back, you know, uh, what significance is he going to play once he comes back. If he's healthy, they're going to make a difference. Right now, the Celtics are very healthy. The Nets will be healthy. Uh, Philadelphia's really healthy now with uh, Maxi coming back. Thank God for that. I mean, and, uh, you know, what Gene said was true on uh, Maxi, man. He's uh, being played not like a fool, but he is not, um, they're not living up to his, uh, uh, I guess, maximum talent. And uh, I think that um, the Nets, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and the Celtics will be the teams to deal with in the East. And right now we have Mitchell from Cleveland, who's hurt right now. So we don't know how that's going to turn out as well. It all depends upon how the injuries and what happens with injuries and, you know, how that affects uh, certain teams. But as far as the East is concerned, I think those are the top four teams. Yeah, Brett has some uh, some, some uh, statisticals here for us. Um, the Middleton, 38 games missed. Ingleton, Ingles, 32 games missed. Connington, 16. Holiday, 11. Giannis, 10. Ooh. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of games lost on that team um, yeah, to injury. Yeah. Still mm. hanging at the top. So, you know. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you, uh, Brett. I love you, and I know you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan. <laughs> Throwing Middleton and Ingles in there is fine. Nobody gives a shit how many games Pat Connaughton misses. He's not good enough. <laughs> Nobody cares, bro. Like I'm serious. Thomas, uh, Drew Holiday, even Joe Inglis, Chris Middleton, Pat Connaughton is a sniper. That's like saying the year the Cavs won the championship, Kyle Korver missed 15 games. Like no one cares. Oh, and I wanted to go back to these comments here. So Ty answered um, the question for you there, Freddie. He said that they're making a run for the lottery pick. I don't see any um, any argument there. So we're just going to leave it with Ty. They ain't got a first-round uh, draft pick till 2027. They ain't they make it, for they a make it a run for the lottery, but for somebody else. Yeah. yeah. And then the Celtics team built tough. Malcolm Brogdon, one of the best offseason moves, definitely. Great, great oh, no doubt. No doubt. Mm. Michael, good evening, guys. Good evening, Michael. Um, My man Mike Semio, what's up, bro? Yeah, Ty says the Knicks are falling off, and then Coach Dante with the what up? What up? What up? Uh, I thought Coach was joining yes. us tonight. I thought he was too. I thought so too. But hey, <laughs> we'll rock it. We'll rock it. And then we'll also hop on to the Western Conference. Now, what's interesting in the Western Conference <sighs> is you got the top two, and then everybody else is kind of like in a group. So at number one, you have my Denver Nuggets at thirty-two, thirteen. They're nine and one in their last 10 games. Uh, right under them, actually, the same amount of losses, just one less game played, so one less win. The Memphis Grizzlies, the Grizzlies are 10 and 0 in their last 10 games, and they are on an 11 game winning streak. Yep. You know, so those two teams have kind of started to, at least for now, put a little separation between themselves and the rest of the West. So at three, we got Sacramento at 25 and 18. They're seven and three in their last 10. New Orleans, 26 and 20, 3 and 7 in their last 10. That's his design injury. Um, Dallas at 24 and 22. They're 4 and 6 in their last 10. 
And then Utah's 24 and 24, 5 and 5 in their last 10. So, of course, we'll let you guys go first. Any thoughts on the Western Conference and their top six? Man, I love Memphis. John Memphis is just so fun to watch. John Morant continues to evolve as a player. That dunk he had the other night was dirty. It was nasty. Uh, Not just John Memphis. Like, you have Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks. You got four guys on that team averaging 16 points or more, and they all almost all of them play defense. They all play, like, both sides of the ball. I think that uh, the game on Christmas Day versus the Warriors without Steph losing that game, I feel like that was that was a wake-up call that they needed. They, As you said, they won 11 games in a row. I love the confidence John Moran has and the leadership that team has. They're one of the most fun teams to watch in the NBA. And John Moran is must-see TV. Yep. I agree with Gene on that. But, you know... I think the big thing in the Western Conference has to be the Sacramento Kings. I mean, look at them right now. They're in third place, 25 and 18. They have been in the dumps for 15, 20 years. Even when Shaquille O'Neal was a pot owner, they have been a terrible franchise. And to look at them now and the way that they're playing right now, I mean, you got Darren Fox. I mean, you got so many players on their team now right now they're playing so well right now as a unit they beat the Lakers the other night and uh i i'm just thinking that out of the west them is shocking to me too because they started off real bad at first but now they're getting all the players back you know it comes down to health and they got murray back they got all their players back i know that's your team cool i'm not gonna talk too much because i know it's your team so i ain't gonna say too much but i mean they are I didn't expect them to be as uh, well-rounded as they are right now, but they're falling into place as well. Memphis is, to me, uh, a tremendous talent. And I think because the fact that they lost in last year's playoffs without John, I think that, you know, a lot of teams have to go through the pain in order to get to uh, where they want to go to. If you look back at the Lakers, they had to go through the hurt. The Pistons, the Celtics, they all had to each go through to learn how to win. And I think right now Memphis, they're young, they're hungry, they don't know, but you gotta watch out for them. But I'm I'm very surprised about the Sacramento Kings. I don't think anybody here would have thought that they would be at 25 and 18 right now, given the team that they have. I don't think anybody would. I really don't. I mean, they are fun to watch. I mean, they're fun to watch. They all get along. I mean, they have a good bench, and being at Number three in the Western Conference, Sacramento. Would you have thought that? I wanted to say a blasphemous comment real quick, cool, if you don't mind. Just pure blasphemy. Always got time for blasphemy, man. Someone has to replace the blasphemy is no longer here. <laughs> I, um, I've been highly critical over this player's career. I think he's one of the most overrated players in the history of basketball. Uh, and that, that player is named Steve Nash. And I know that one is not Ooh. the other. Just follow Ooh. me real quick. Steve okay. Nash, Steve Nash is, was an absolute liability on defense. And I know that. Absolute. Like liability. So his MVP year that Kobe, that they stole the MVP from Kobe. And I say stole the MVP from Kobe because that's exactly what happened. 
He averaged 18.8 points per game and 11.6 assists. And the reason I bring that up is because DeMontis Sabonis right now is averaging 19, 12.7 boards and eight assists a game. One could argue that DeMontis Sabonis' season this year is better than Steve Nash's MVP year, just statistically. DeMontis Sabonis has been such a huge addition to that team with yes. the Xbox. Uh, and it, it's not just him scoring the basketball. He rebounds. He distributes. He sees the basketball court so well, so much like his father, man. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Our, yes. Arvidas was like the original big man passer. The guy just yeah. like. If we got Arvidas before he was he, old and broken down, bro. Yeah, he was a bad boy, man. He was bad. <laughs> and uh, I just kind of wanted to give DeMontis – some uh, MVP love. I know he's not ever going to win MVP, but anytime I get a shot to take a, a chance to take a shot at Steve Nash, I do it. <laughs> hey man, if you want to add Steve Nash coaching career in, it gives you even more shots to take. So. He is the most overrated player in the history of basketball. So I feel you. So I know Conman mentioned the uh, West leading. Denver Nuggets. So I want to kind of talk about them a little bit, of course. Oh, here we go. Go ahead, cool. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So a couple <laughs> things. So just first, I want to talk about some of the new additions to the team that have mm-hmm. been um, either returning from injury or uh-huh. drafted or traded to the team or signed with the team. So we bring in a rookie from Kansas, Christian Braun, a uh, 6'6 kid who um, you know won a championship with Kansas, right? Michael Porter Jr. is back. Hopefully yes. he can stay healthy. He's back. Kentavious Caldwell Pope has joined the team. DeAndre Jordan has joined the team. Yeah. Peyton Watson from UCLA has joined the team. We also have Jack White who's joined the team. Bruce Brown has joined the team. Ish Smith has joined the team. Colin Gillespie. And um I kind of want to say he's joined the team because he's back from injury. Three points a game, like anybody gives a shit. Yes, I I am, (laughs) and I do have a point to get to, sir. Okay. So we talk about depth, right? We talk about teams that um, have depth. Yeah, these are guys that they don't average a lot of points right now. Why? Because a lot of them are combo players. And if you may or may not know, there's this guy there that plays a lot of minutes, number fifteen. Back-to-back reigning and defending MVP. Still in the conversation <laughs> third year in a row. So a lot of that time that some of these other guys would get gets absorbed by him right now. But obviously the goal is finding a way to take a little bit of that off of Jokic's plate to allow him to be more efficient. So once we can get the right second unit, the right guys that can plug in when other guys are injured, it's going to make a difference. Bruce Brown is a guy who's been phenomenal for the Denver Duggets. Hard defense, attacking the rim, making threes, phenomenal. Great yes. pickup. Christian Braun, he comes in, the ball just finds him. Not the most athletic kid, kind of like a smaller Jokic, but the ball just finds him, right? Rebounds just come off, they just they just end up in his arms or right beside him, right? He makes the shots when he needs to. So maybe not great statistical numbers, but you know a lot of defense doesn't show up on statistical numbers. This team is way more effective defensively, more more aggressive, way more athletic than the team last year. Right. And Kugno, you know, if you don't mind interrupting for a minute, not at all. You didn't mention one one of the guys who I think is a twin of Jamal Crawford. And right. I think 
<laughs> he knows where I'm going with this. You forgot Bones Holland, my brother. Well, I did not forget Bones Holland. If you'll remember, I said the players that we've added to the team. Oh, Bones Holland okay. was on the team last year. Oh, I, I got you. I got that's you. where we're going next. So thank All you. All right, you know something cool? I, I apologize, but mm-hmm. I don't remember him last year. I remember well, him this year. He was, he was a rookie last year. Hard. He got some back. handle. I mean, he got he got that Jamal Crawford type game. I mean, he's. Uh, I mean, the broadcasters talk about he's either going to win your games or lose your games because when he does his bag of tricks, he can go into a lot of turnovers and things of that nature. But I mean, that guy has some talent right there. So I have to give you on that. Uh, oh yeah. So we talk about guys averaging double figures on a team is that's that's unbelievable depth. Seven guys are averaging over 10 points per game on one team. That's yeah. third. That doesn't happen in the NBA, guys. Exactly. Right, that's, that's 70 points minimum a game. Mm-hmm. Like, From your bench. Total. Total. That's so, crazy. So you look at like guys that were there last year, like Bones Highland got a chance to play a lot of minutes because of injuries. Devon Reed, he's not a guy that plays a lot, but when he plays, he gives the team good minutes. You know, you got, of course, uh, Nikola Jokic. You know, of course, you got Kankar, who was there. Last year, you got more playing time. You got Uncle Jeff, and you got Aaron Gordon. So you got a good, solid amount of guys who also got a lot more time to play last year when you had so many injuries. So what we did is kind of like a mini overhaul of the back end of the roster. Got younger, got more aggressive, got guys that could shoot, stretch the floor, play defense, guys that are interchangeable pieces. Um, and you can see so far, along with the returns and the additions, it's worked out for the for the Denver Nuggets. I expect the to continue to work out. I mean, I question oh, some of his okay. moves. I'll put it out there. You're the best coach in the NBA, too. I question some and, of his and, moves and, sometimes, and, but I, I, I and the most likely, guess what? You look at their payroll. Not that bad. I mean, their payroll is not that. I mean, they can do work with it. I mean, they still they still have room to make some more changes if they want to. Their payroll is not that bad, for real. They're not. I mean, it's all right. I mean, but yeah, the, the coach is well liked, and that means yeah. a lot as well. And they all get along as well. You know what I mean? So, Denver's gonna be tough. Denver's gonna. Be, do you think they'll get over the hump? Denver and Utah, they've always almost made it. When are they going to make it? Can they get to the Western Conference Finals? Maybe. Yes, they can. Can they get to the Can they get to the NBA Finals? Yes, they can. Uh, yeah, I don't care what Gene says. Because <laughs> guess what? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you a secret, comment. Gene don't play one minute of basketball for the Denver Nuggets. I was just playing basketball tonight, but not one minute for the we Denver. We Nuggets. ran three. We were ran three on threes for about two and a half hours tonight. Wow. I'm gonna tell you something right now. I shoot better three-pointers than 90% of them nuggets. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, um, I want video proof of that. No, you I'm hey, look, I'm not you kidding. Shoot, shoot, if I'm you shoot small. better than 90% of them, I'm about to call Denver and get you a contract. <laughs> you know I'm, I'm about to call and be like, yo, Denver, I got this cat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's official. <laughs> My man Kevin David in the comments was playing three-on-three with me earlier. Kevin, I don't know if you can just be honest and not be a troll. 70% on their lightning. Yeah. I was banging threes tonight. I was definitely on fire. He's kidding. He's trolling with the Nash goat, but he's talking about hey, me. Listen, man. I'm, all I'm saying is this. 
if you can make 70% consistently, I'm trying to get you signed to the Denver Nuggets. Too slow. Really? I'm trying to get you signed. Let's get it. Uh, too slow and fat. Got to lose some weight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting the topics, man. I'm ready for seven, these topics. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Nuggets. Yep. Uh, hey, man, we, we, we gave you all the time you wanted to talk about the Sixers. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But now when it's Nuggets, all of a sudden it's a problem. Talking you know, about we, like players. We're not going like to do that either. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that, G. I'm not afraid we're not going to do that. We're going to be – we're going to treat each other politely. Oh, I'll treat you polite. Stop it. Uh, of course you do, man. I got I to gotta give you a little bit of a hard time, though. I don't mind. You know what I'm saying? All right, so KCP and Bruce Brown. So some comments about that. We, I'm just going to put them up there. I'm not going to read them. Just let y'all see them real quick. Marcus with the Sixers are here for it. I feel you on that. So we got a question from Anthony Blackwell. Um, just asking real quick, what's going on with and one? So we're just doing a little rebranding. Anthony, we're going to be starting an hour earlier. We're going to be rebranding starting next week. We're going to get into that a little bit here in a few minutes. We're going to hop on the topics here. You know, we spend a little time just talking, kicking breeze. We're going to hop on the topics list and give y'all some juicy info. All right, so we'll start off here with possible trade deadline moves. So my question in regards to that for both of you gentlemen is, do you see any moves that you see being made between two teams um, that would be beneficial for both teams or you think they would actually pull the trigger off? Gene, you go ahead, Gene. I mean, I got a selfish move. When you put this question out there, uh, Philadelphia, you know that. Go ahead. Hundred percent. I think that Phoenix needs to shake things up, mm, and I think we, I think we need to send that hometown kid, Mikel Bridges, over to Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia will give them a couple trade ships. Uh, you got Matisse Thybul, defensive specialist. You got Cork Maz, three point shooter. All right, let's let's get Mikel Bridges over to Philadelphia. And we figure out a way to make that happen. We send a couple trade chips, first round draft pick. Let's let Phoenix blow it up. Send Mikel Bridges home. I could do that. What you got, Kamir? Well, you know, I got to get a little bit of sentimental right now. Y'all might get mad at me, whatever. But anyway, you know, you know how I am. I think the Lakers need to get Jay Crowder and a shooter. They get Jay Crowder. They need that dog. They got, you know, they need, I think they can get Jay Crowder and a shooter. Or they can go to Indiana and get Turner <clears throat> and Hield, uh to help their chances of maybe making a playoff run. Maybe not being the, uh, uh, maybe they can be a sixth seed if they get, they, obviously the Lakers need a shooter. And uh, I'm not a Lakers fan like Freddie Henderson is, but I think that, yeah. uh, to answer, your, to answer your question, I think that um, the, the Lakers need a shooter and they need another dog in the, in the inside. I figured that if there could be a trade made where they can get either Turner and Hield for somebody or uh, they can do the, um, maybe do something with Crowder because right now he's there and he's not doing a damn thing. He can pay all that money and just sitting there. Reminds me of John Wall last year with the Rockets. Paying all that money for sitting there. I think Jay Crowder could be a great addition to a whole lot of teams, but I think the Lakers could use them, although they need a more of a shooter as more important to their success right now. But I would go 
with the shooter and Jay Crowder with the Lakers. Okay. So I'm going to go um, <clears throat> a little bit of a different way here. Uh, first, I'll throw up uh, Kyle's comment and Brett's comments here. Um, but I'm going to go a little different. So I think Christian Wood is a guy that's going to be on the move. Um, I don't think he's happy with the role that he's been given with Luca. Um, this is not the first guy that was brought in to kind of be Robin to Luca's Batman, who has uh, not been pleased with the role. Um, I think Christian Wood, <clears throat> this is not going to get him close to a championship at this moment, but I think a great move for him would be trading him for Terry Rozier Ooh. to the Hornets. Scary Terry. That's so, that's The Hornets have the money or they're going to go with draft picks. Obviously, they will do their first-round pick this year. That's going to be a high pick, but I think the Hornets would have the money to be able to, um, you know, give Wood a nice long-term contract. And let's be real. Um, I live in Charlotte. Guys don't go to the uh, Hornets um, as, you know, what you see is some of the higher tier free agents unless they're traded there. Cool. Right. Uh, I, I hear you, but Carlos Vasquez. how many teams obtain a, a player and then get rid of them during the same year? How often does that happen? So here's what you got to – here's what you – and this this will answer Carlos Vasquez uh, as well. Um, stats smash, Carlos. Let me give you a little facts here, buddy. There's this thing called a salary cap. They're not going to pay Christian Wood what he wants next year. So are you going to allow him to walk away for nothing, or are you going to trade him and get back some assets? The answer to that question for any good, solid Unillogical franchises, I'm going to get assets back. That assets is going to come in the form of a trade. So, Carlos, you can put all your stats on the screen that you like, sir. Feel free to do so. Feel free to drop them all in the chat. At the end of the day, they can't pay him. And he clearly doesn't like playing with Luca. No one does unless it's the right type of player. What you have to do with a guy like him is you have to say, All right, this is Luca. This is who he is. Let's go out and let's find guys who are shooters. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's why I find guys who want to be three and D. I'll shoot the three. I'll play some defense. I'll crash behind Luca to allow that open space for him to operate. When you have guys who do something a little different, they have a different swing to their game. They're not going to like playing with a guy like Luca, and that's no knock on Luca, even though he is a hoe. There's no knock on him for this particular thing. It's just the way he plays. So if you're going to want him to play the way he plays, which you do, you have to surround him with the correct pieces. I thought Wood could be that piece, but he's not. So they're going to have to make that move. I think uh, there's a couple of things that are really interesting. I think the Hornets are absolute dumpster fire, and you know that living near Charlotte. I think P.J. Washington gets moved before the trade deadline, and I think he's a, a solid asset on <laughs> a pending team. I also think Buddy Hill gets moved before the trade deadline. Okay. Uh, Buddy Hill is a very popular trade deadline name. I would love to – I would trade Tobias Harris straight up for Buddy Hill if I'm the 76ers, add you some scoring on the outside, stretch the court a little bit, give you a little bit more floor spacing for Harden and Embiid. But I, I was not Jay Crowder in uh, Denver, by the way, just throwing it out there. Jay Crowder's a tough dude. But I will say this. I think the the move that will have <laughs> the most impact around this trade deadline, I think Kyle Kuzma gets moved mm. before the trade deadline. And um, where do you see him going? Where do you see him going? I Ooh. see that, and, that, and that's the big thing. 
I don't know. I, I would love to say New Orleans, and the reason I use New Orleans because Brandon Ingram has barely played all year. He's set to come back. Um, they have a lot of depth pieces that can yeah, yeah. send over to Washington. So you can be able to use Kyle Kuzma as a rotational piece, um, like a plug-and-play if Zion and Brandon Ingram aren't playing, more like a six-man, some instant offense, that oatmeal-style offense that you can give them. Um, but I think I think Kyle Kuzma to New Orleans makes too much sense. So uh, kind of you're almost getting the band back together, right, from from the old Laker days. Everybody, yeah. they ran off. <laughs> hey, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with Gene's thoughts on that one. No, that's, that's cool. But you know, some fellas, you know who the hardest player on the trade market is right now? Van Fleet. For some reason. Why? I don't know. But they got him on top of the list as someone who, because Toronto obviously is not doing very well this year, and they may be just uploading their team right now to uh, uh, for picks or trades or whatever. But right now, he's the one that's, from what I'm hearing from all the shows I've been watching, He's like the hardest one to go. What do y'all think about that? that? I don't know. I'm just I'm just asking your opinion. I don't know. He ain't gonna make that much of a difference to a, a championship team. Maybe I I don't know. I mean, he, I, I don't know what y'all think. I I don't know. I don't know. Get yeah, cool. So to me, Fred Van Vliet. I mean, he's a good player. Good shooter. I mean, yeah. he's solid. He plays some defense. I don't know. Is he going to make that much of a difference? I don't know. I don't see him as a guy that's going to take your team from no second, third place to first place. No. Um, or anything. Then the question becomes what's the value for him? Yeah, but I think most contending teams that add Fred Van Fleet and the way that he needs the ball in his hand actually get worse by having him. It sounds yeah. still silly, but. Uh, like, look at some of the contending teams around the Eastern Conference and Western Conference. Does Milwaukee get better adding a Fred Van Fleet? Uh, no. Nope. Holiday? No. Mm-hmm. How about nope. Boston with all their point guard depth? No. Nope. How about the Golden State Warriors with their depth? No. Nope. I, mean, I, I guess he could run in to be a backup point guard in in Denver. I don't know. I just doubt it. It would work. I think Jamal Murray's your guy, and I think he's starting to get more minutes each night. You got Harden and Maxi in Philadelphia. Like, where does he go that it makes an impact instantaneous? And um, nowhere. Jones is actually the backup point guard, but he plays a lot with Jamal Murray right now. But he's actually the backup point guard. Mm. So yeah, you don't really need. And that's the thing I was saying. Like, the, we talk about value. Um. What you would probably, what they would probably want, um, they're probably not going to want to give for Fred VanVleet. Um, sometimes you want to get value for a guy, but the value that you may perceive is a lot lower or higher than what the actual value for that is. I think that may be the situation with VanVleet. Um, but I really can't think of, like you said, a contending team that if I say, oh, I'm going to put Fred Van Vliet on that team, that makes that team majorly better. He may could be a backup but like Sacramento, right? I mean. But, like, why is he moving to a team to go be a backup point guard? He's not going to do that. Exactly. So that's the thing. <laughs> Who doesn't have a starting point guard at this point? You know what I'm saying? 
I just think Jamal wants to dump them because they're 20 and 26. They're not going to make the playoffs. And they're going to try to get what they can while they can. And I guess they're using them as a, a prop or two or something. But Is there a chance that, that they, like the Miami Heat goes after them? Uh, they, they lack a lot of point guard depth. Uh, they're, they're running out the ghost of Kyle Lowry. <laughs> I, I love Kyle Lowry. I do, but Kyle Lowry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, he's about, yeah, he's about, yeah. Um, so I, I call him like Miami. Matt Riley's always trying to make a move. I love, I, I refer to uh, Kyle Lowry as Cousin Pookie because he looks like, he looks like he, he's everybody's cousin. He just looked like his cousin. Like, he was at the family reunion. I loved watching him in Villanova. I really did. Yes, 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 I yes. To, I, got to, I got to watch him up close and personal. I don't live far from the Palestra. I don't live far from uh, Villanova. I work literally three minutes away at one of my stores. So I got to watch him play up close and personal when he played in college. He's uh, he's a special kid, man. But And it's like play the boys and the men song. This is the end of the road. It's just, it's not really his time anymore. I have to agree with that. I, I got to agree with you on that one. Yeah, I love them in um, in Denver. I mean, not Denver. I love them in Toronto. Um, Him and, um, what's it called? That was a great duo they had until they finally had to break them up. But, yeah, but, but Gene, also, I have to talk with you. Um, I'm sure you know about uh, Ed Pickney pretty well, right? You know Ed Pickney pretty well? Who? Egg Pinkney. Yeah, Pinkney, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my boy. So we'll talk later on about that. But yeah. God, go ahead. <laughs> Man, listen, they have uh, – I remember Jay, Jay Wright's Villanova Wildcats over the course of the last 23 years, and now he's not the coach anymore. He stepped down, and it has a lot to do with his wife's help. Nobody really knows that. Like, he didn't really announce that, but it was his wife's help, which is the reason he stepped down as head coach of Villanova. Um but let me just take it a little bit a step further. Watching all the guards that came out of that situa- situation in Villanova, they all have been contributing factors on NBA teams, smart players, understanding where the basketball goes. Kyle Lowry, Josh Hart, uh, Archie Diacono. There's so many of these guys that are in the league now that um, got their, their – you know, I remember Randy Foy. Randy Foy playing, coming out of uh, – Villanova. There's so many solid guards that came out of Villanova, and, and they play the game the right way. They're overall ball players. Gene, we'll, we'll talk about off the air, but we know uh, McLean. You know McLean, right? Y'all, sure. we'll talk about that another time. But go, All, right. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So, are there any coaches, guys, that are on the hot seat? In your opinion? Yes. Talk to us, kind man. Who you got? Oh, without question. Yeah, gotta go with McMillan, Nate McMillan with the Atlanta Hawks. I, I think it's reached this point right now. I mean, they drew a lot of attention when they, you know, they 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 beat the Knicks and Madison Square Garden. Uh, but right now, the way they're, I mean, right now, I mean, they they won five in a row, so they're on a hot streak right now. Uh, but they uh, I think they're not living up to expectations right now. Right now, they're in eighth place right now. I think a lot of people expect a lot with the addition of Murray. And uh, I think McMillan might be under the hot seat. I really think it's McMillan, if you ask me. They were talking about Doc Rivers. I don't think so. I think 
if anyone's going to go, especially out of the East, it's going to be McMillan. Uh, Billy, Bill, Billy Donovan's got to be – his seat's got to be super hot in Chicago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You can go him too. And yeah. then you can't ignore the elephant in the room. If the 76ers don't make the Eastern Conference Finals this year, Doc Rivers is getting fired. <sighs> say what you want to say, but if they don't make the Eastern Conference Finals this year, Doc Rivers is gone. Philadelphia fans will not allow – listen, I, I think that the, the problem that a lot of people don't realize that, that live outside the city of Philadelphia – is we are nuts. Like we are I know. crazy. I know. So like if, if Doc Rivers has another second round exit, it's it's a hundred percent he's gone. They the 76ers fans will riot in front of the stadium. Um they will literally go out in front of that stadium every day and uh <sighs> it, it won't be pretty for me I'm gonna go with Steve Clifford here in uh, Charlotte. The thing is, I don't think he should have ever had the job to begin with, but this team has been worse under him. And obviously, you know, there's been some 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 uncontrollable circumstances. But there's talent on the roster, and they're just not – he's not getting anything out of these guys. Cool. The so, thing I think about Charlotte is the fact they paid a lot of money for people who are not playing. Oh, they've – all they've well, that's the thing. Like, when you look at – Charlotte, it's not a destination, right? It's not a place that, that, that as a professional athlete, and I've said this on several shows before as well. I've lived there, so I keep it real. It's not a place as a professional athlete that you look at and say, oh, man, this is a destination I want to go live in. This is a destination I want to go be in for an entire season, whether that be NFL or whether that be um, NBA, right? I mean, you, you have guys that come, but you don't have those top-tier guys that show up as free agents in Charlotte, North Carolina. Chris Finch has to be on the hot seat too for Minnesota. Uh, they brought in the French fry. Oh, good Bruce point. Gobert. Yeah. They, you know, Carl Anthony Towns has been hurt, but they're they're pressing not being in, in the playoffs. They have a lot of young talent on that team. I, 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 I'd imagine if they don't turn it around this year, that Chris Finch won't make it through. Waking That's in twenty twenty four. Well, I think the general manager for that team should be uh, fired. Why did you think in the uh, NBA that's designed around guards that those two centers would work together? Right. I think you should be fired just for making that trade. (laughs) And look at what's going on in Utah. Like, if Utah finishes ahead of Minnesota this year when they were trying to – when everybody thought they were trying to tank, eh, that's insane. Yeah, it's funny because I I said a couple years ago, I think that the two most underrated coaches in the NBA were Mike Malone and Quinn Snyder. Clint Snyder stepped away from Utah, and Utah is still getting it done. Something in the water there, Salt Lake City, because the Utah Jazz are just constantly just good culture, built right. They they have guys that can that, that play for each other. So I think it's uh it's, it's wild what's going on in Utah. Yeah, they, they've been that way for so many years. Now I'm, 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 I'm still up a little bit. What do you all think about Phoenix Suns and Monty Williams? What's going on with them? Monty Crowder. Do you think he's under the hot seat at all? I mean, he's one of the best coaches in, in basketball. The, what the turnaround that he had with the Phoenix Suns is, has been huge. But when you lose the team, it really doesn't matter how good of a coach you are. That's what I'm trying uh, to say. I don't know. He, he had a, they lost the team, and I think it all started with them signing DeAndre Ayton 
back after DeAndre quit on the team in the playoffs. Uh, you watched you watched that game in the playoffs. It's so obvious that Monty Williams was furious with DeAndre Ayton quitting yep. the team and told him to sit on the bench. And yeah. I, I didn't think there was any chance he was going back to Phoenix. And then they signed him for Max. See, if I'm Monty, I'm I, whether I get fired or not, I'm done after this year with uh, the Phoenix Suns. There's uh, that, 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 definitely a problem there. Uh, Phoenix is uh, there's hey. a. <laughs> It's crazy. It's a nuts. Phoenix is nuts right now. I don't know. I don't know. Definitely. All right. So um, the next question is a two-parter, guys. So the yep. first question is, who is your MVP um, of the NBA so far? And the second part is, can your MVP carry his team to a title? Uh, y'all go. Go ahead, Jane. You go ahead, Jane. You have this one first. Nope. <laughs> Wow. Damn, that's a tough question, man. Damn. <clears throat> well, you know, I'm going to stick to my guns because on previous shows, I said that I, I truly believe that Luka's going to be the MVP. But can he take them to a championship? <sighs> no. I don't think so. Uh, unless they make some moves during the trade, trade deadline, I mean – Man, that's a, that's a two-part. That's a tough two-part question, man. Whew. Um, you know, I'm not gonna be uh, flimsy. I'm gonna go with my pick. I said it's Luca, and part two is no. So I think you can take it to a championship. To answer this question, I have to really kind of project what I think will be the MVP. And the the weird part of the question is who I think is going to win MVP versus who should win MVP. Exactly. Good point. Exactly. Hey, yeah, there you go. There you go. Yep. I, I don't think, I don't think Nikola Jokic or Luka Doncic can lead their team to a finals, uh, finals championship. I just don't right. think that. Yep. But the next five guys on the list, a hundred percent. I could see Jason Tatum leading the Celtics to an NBA finals. I could see Yantis onto the Kupo leading the, the Milwaukee Bucks to an NBA finals. I can see Kevin Durant leading the New Jersey or Brooklyn Nets to an NBA Finals. I can see Joel Embiid uh, powering his team to an NBA Finals. But I can't see – and just maybe it's the playoffs, like what has happened in the last few years. Uh, but I can't see either one of those teams, Dallas or Denver, going to the NBA Finals. And when the, the reason I can't see that is uh, shown in the past uh, – in the playoffs, I just uh, the Nuggets have not looked the way I, I thought they would look going in two years ago as the three seed, and then this past. You mean play. so? You mean two years ago when Jamal Murray blew out his leg right before the playoffs, and when Michael Porter was out because he hurt his back in the first round. So without his two best players again, we're not gonna we're not gonna give him any of that. We're just gonna say it because he didn't take him there. And then last year. When neither one, when they played a total of one game between the two of them, we're going to hold that against him. That's cool. The answer to the question is: Nikola Jokic is the MVP. Yes, he can and will take his team to the NBA Finals. And Gene will eat crow. Bet Look, that. If it happens, I'll be happy to eat crow. Um, you know, I, I know you don't bet cool. I don't want to bet no money or anything like that, but something fun, uh, maybe like wearing a jersey on air or something of that nature. But um. I'll even give you the Western Conference Finals. I don't think Denver makes it there. 
I think they're eliminated in the Western Ooh. Conference semifinals, and I'll give you the Western hey, Conference finals. Or the Western Conference. I think there's four teams in the Western Conference that are head and shoulders above the Denver Nuggets come playoff time and the way they match up. I think a healthy New Orleans Pelicans team would be four. I think the Ja Memphis, uh, they've, they've showed you uh, what they can do. Um, I think that eventually this Clippers team gets it together. And then, obviously, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, so, those four teams, I can't see Denver beating them in a seven-game series with health implications. Now, they could run into a, a miracle run like the Suns did a few years back where they played everybody that were missing their best player, and then they made it to the NBA Finals, and it made it look like they, they played everybody without their best player. Like, they played, you know, street clothes Davis, missing for the Lakers, and then uh, the next round, uh, was it Jamal Murray? Jamal Murray and Michael Porter were out for the Nuggets. Like yep. the entire playoff run that they had when they went to the finals, they played against everybody missing their best player. It was wild. So I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I think saying the New Orleans Pelicans are going to be healthy is That's fair. facetious. Fair. Um, I say the Clippers may or may not get it together. I'm going to stick with they'll hang around about where they're at now, somewhere between six and eight. Um, they continually have this guy's playing, then he's not, then this guy comes back, then this other guy's not playing, then they're both back. And, you know, so I just don't think that there's a lot of consistency there. I don't know if Ty Lue is the guy to handle that team either. So um, I'm not too high on the Clippers. I'm not too bullish on them. Now, you want to give me Memphis? That would be a difficult. Uh, that'd be a difficult series. You want to give me the, the Golden State Warriors? Absolutely, that's going to be a difficult series. But I, I don't see you're messing with the Clippers, though. Cool, and I don't want you to braze over it. Kawhi is just starting to play thirty minutes a game, and uh, earlier tonight he dropped thirty six on thirteen to eighteen shooting. He was four for five for three. Well, that, I wanna, that team has absolute depth all over it if they all play. And I get it. It's a big if. But you going to tell me you walk in there with a healthy Clippers team, you would favor the Denver Nuggets over this team? Yes, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Terrence Mann, Marcus Mart, Marcus yep. Mart Jr., Zubach, Batoon, Covington. Like, they – you go that through that lineup, it's eight, nine deep, and they're all stretch defenders. They all can hit the three, and they can play D. And that's what we also have now. You got you Norman the Floorman, the too. I don't want to miss Norman the Floorman. And then you, you have to ask yourself, are all those guys going to be there after the trade yet about as well? I, mean, I don't see why not. They This is the culmination of that. Kawhi Leonard move. This is it right here. And see, the thing I, – th I like Kawhi. I like Kawhi a whole lot. I think he's one of the best players, but he's healthy. And he's mentally into the game. But I think, you know, I just don't see the consistency. Yeah, um, sure. From Kawhi anymore. If Kawhi was a Kawhi from um, Toronto, hasn't mm. been healthy though in two years. Right, rust. Right, it takes time to get back and really become yourself consistently. Uh, I'm seeing that right now yeah. with, uh, with with Denver. Like you have a lot of guys that they play a couple of games and they have to sit a game out because you got <clears> back to back. You got a lot of games grouped together, four games in five days, things like that. So you know that's something else that I see. Uh, so, just you know, my opinion as a fan of the team, and also as someone who you know pays a lot of attention to the NBA, 
Um, this is just my opinion. The last 10 days, though, last his last five games, he's been absolutely incredible. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, let me just we've read been, this real quick. We've been incredible in our last 10 games. We've won nine oh, of our no, last it's not about the it's not about it's not about the team. It's about it the is about the team. You we're talking about you you're saying but a team I'm, can't get to Kawhi Leonard. Right. But him, listen, him coming back but follow, but follow me, G. Okay. Just follow me for a second, and then you, the floor will be all yours. The team is the most important thing. Kawhi can go out and score 50 points. If the rest of the team doesn't give him what he needs around him, they still are not going to be successful. So what I'm saying is the team that – I believe the team that the Denver Nuggets have, the only two teams that really are going to give them problems in a series, a seven-game series, is going to be the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies as of right now. You know, trades – you know, injuries could change that. But that's my feeling at this particular point. Oh, and I respect your feeling yeah. and I respect your opinion. Score is all yours, sir. But the truth of the matter is you've never seen a healthy Kawhi Leonard with a healthy Paul George in a playoff series since the bubble, right? Like, that's when the last time you've seen Kawhi Leonard and Paul George playing together. Uh, you got 33 points, nine rebounds. 100% from the free throw line, 75% from the field. 24-8 and 4, 100% from the free throw line, 50% from the floor. 36-4 and four, uh, versus Houston, 100% from the free throw line, 60% from three, 50% from the floor. 27 points, 36 points, 7 assists, 80% from free three-point line. The guy has been – the old Kawhi the last five games, and he's done it five games in a row. I get it. It's not. It's only five games in a row. But it, you know it's still there, right? It's not gone. That, that Kawhi talent isn't gone. It's just he's getting healthy. And these games don't matter. They don't matter. They just matter. Just get to the show. You get to the show. And the, the problem with the Clippers, and this has always been the problem playing against the Clippers, they can switch off everything with their defense. Their defense. They have so many three and D guys. Like when well, you can run a lineup with Paul George, Rocco, uh, Batoon, uh, Kawhi. You can run a lineup with all those guys out there, and they can switch five deep. They're all six seven to six nine. They they're lengthy. They play defense all over the court, and they create matchup problems. I I get your I get your point. My point is. A healthy Clippers team should scare more people than than they like to admit. I'm done. All right, comment. Do you have any thoughts, sir? <clears throat> you know my thoughts not uh, about what Gene or you guys were referring to. I wanted to po pose a question to you guys uh, that really, truly upsets me, being old school that I am. And I want to get your opinion on it. Why do these players feel necessary to take days off and games off? Analytics. It very pisses me off because if, tell me if I'm wrong, you may agree, they should take days off when they're at home. But when they're away and you got people paying all this money to go take their sons and daughters and kids to the game and they can't see these kids. I uh, can't see them play because these guys take the night off to me. That frustrates me to no end. And uh, I know it's not part of, you know, the topics, but 
to me, I watched that. And tonight I'm watching Steph Curry, Green, and them guys on the sidelines. They're not hurt. Do you know they what I mean? Tonight. They all sat they tonight. Hurt. They hurt. To me, it gets me so upset because you got people who don't make a lot of money. They're taking the kids to games to go and maybe play their games way ahead of time to go see these guys play, yep. and they're not there. And that pisses me off. To know ago, if you looked at the Cleveland Cavaliers versus Golden State Warriors tickets, they were probably the hottest item in Cleveland. Uh, the, the Golden State Warriors are defending champions. The Cavaliers were the two seed a month ago. Donovan Mitchell was the talk of the league. Uh, I'm sure people overpaid for a ton of those tickets. And for Golden State to show up in Cleveland tonight and sit everyone. They sat all their stars tonight. That's my point. I'm, I'm, I'm just – I apologize. I, that this pisses me off, man. Because yeah, if you have only enough money for that game that you plan with your kids and your family for that game, and then they don't even, and they're on the sidelines smiling and not even hurt. I'm sorry, man. I'm I'm an athlete. Well, I play I, every um, day. I never take a day off if I could. But that's I me. completely uh, agree with you. I think the only exceptions I make is for legitimate injuries. So if you got guys like that are coming back off injuries like, you know, a couple guys on my team, guys on other teams, and they've played a couple of days and, you know, they're not feel, they're not feeling that good, inflammation, soreness, things like that. I get that. But if you're just sitting because, you just want because. To sit game, I think those games should be at home. I do agree with that because a lot of the times you're going to have people that come to multiple games, your home crowd. So if exactly. you want to sit in those games, I would prefer exactly. that you did that. I would prefer that guys just play more. Right. But I do understand that sometimes over the course of a season, and I think one of the things I say about all sports is I think we get more injuries now because the guys are in so superior shape. Correct. You make one wrong cut, everything blows. Where back in the day, you had a little bit more meat on you. You know, you played a little bit different. You weren't in like tip top shape. Right. So I think now everybody's so lean. You want to be in like 2% body fat, 1% body fat. Of course, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you get what I'm saying. So there's not a lot of leeway, wrong, herky-jerky thing, wrong thing happens, you, you tear something. So I think, you know, when you put those things together, you do get a lot more injuries now, which is why guys are like, well, you know, maybe I'm going to take a day off. But I do agree kind of I would like for those times to be home games where there's a, a higher probability that got people will be able to come and see you again if you don't play that game. When you're on the road, a lot of these games, you may only go there one time a year, and then you're sitting in that game. Yeah, that is disappointing to people who live in those cities who might be a fan of the team, a fight of the player, the kid might be, and it's the only real chance they get to see him. So that is, that is the garbage part of it. True that. I agree. All right, guys. So we are going to keep moving along the topic train for the evening. All right. If you were building a NBA team, what position – be the most important to you. It's so easy to. Make. I had a conversation with somebody in the barbershop recently about this, and uh, I think that me and Khan might have a different answer here. Because <laughs> the way of thinking it is, build it, build around a big man, and the big man, you know, you know is able to to give everyone a floor spacing, uh, can have the lane collapse on him. But to me. There's no position in basketball that's more important than the point guard. 
being able to be the distributor. And I'm not talking about any point guard. I'm talking about the guy that could, that could get everyone involved. Um, I'll, I'll even say this as clear as day. If you have a star center, I think it's so important to have like an Andre Miller type point guard on your team. An unselfish guy that knows the game. Um, I think that that's super important. But for me, it would be the point guard. I think that, uh, you know, today's day and age, a lot of small fours, a lot of superstars, the small four role, the point forward. But um, yeah, the most important player on your team distributor. That would be uh What do you got, Kyle? You know, me and G had a beef last week a little bit, but hey, I am a point guard. All right, so I know the importance of playing being a point guard because a point guard is like a quarterback on a football team. As a point guard, you have to distribute the ball. You have to know where the person that you're passing, where they want the ball. You have so much responsibility because as a, a player, you have to worry about what you do. As a point guard, you got to worry about what everybody does. And you got to make others look better. And if you're a true point guard, that's your role is to make the players around you better. So I kind of surprised you on this one. That is easy. You must have a true point guard who's a leader and that the players respect and they can trust in what he's saying because a point guard is the coach on the court. So therefore, in my opinion, that's very easy. Very simple point guard. Case closed. It's a wrap. All right. So I'm about to go con man or what you thought con man was going to go. So let me break it down to you this way. This is the way <laughs> I think about the question, right? You build a team, what's the most important, right? So to me, most important means a higher value than other positions. It's something that's more scarce. It's not something as easy to get. A point guard is important. I'm not going to try to diminish and say a point guard is not important. But we just talked about a few topics ago how there's such a dearth of point guards, quality point guards, that a guy like Fred Van Vliet, you know, we could came up with one team that has any hope of competing that he could possibly go to. Why? Because there's a lot of good point guards. So for me, I want a five. I want a center. I want a guy who can ball out in the center position. Right? I want a guy who can um, shoot the ball, pass the ball, Rebound the ball. And he's gonna have to be a great passer, but when a double comes, just get rid of it. Just say you want Joker. <laughs> I take him beat. I'm kidding. But, yeah, I take him beat. You know, there's a couple of guys I take because I feel like you've got a tier of quality centers, right? Any of those guys is a quality center because they're gonna dominate those other inferior centers when they play those guys. Yeah, and they're gonna make your team so much better because. Number one, there's only a handful of them. So it's hard to match up against them. It's hard to scheme against them. It's hard to stop them. And number two, they're just big, burly guys who get it done down low. So I would start with a center. Now, my second pick would probably be a point guard. But first, I'm going with a center. All right, now, cool. let, me, let me counteract what, what, what you said, if I may. Okay. Whatever you like, sir. <laughs> hey, hey. You said, how many centers that you're talking about exist in the NBA today? 
what, say about three? I rest my case. So what I'm saying to you is those plays that you're talking about, the big man, are very rare in existence. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if you're 28 other teams, you're not going to be able to get one of those three, you said. Right. That's so why I want one of the three. What are you going to do? Get them. So what are you going to do? You need someone to be able to direct the offense and the defense. Therefore, I believe, I hear what you're saying, but there are not 29 centers like the players you right. think. Exactly. That's right. why I want one of those guys. Bomb because I want, I want, I want to be at an advantage with the guy that I have. So okay, if I'm so picking the position that we can get. I'm talking about, and I generally as follows: Who would you start a team with? Generally speaking, because there are not 32 teams that can get a player like you're talking about, like a a, a Joker or MB. There's only That's like right. three. So That's you right. can't prove my point. There's That's only right. three. Of them. All right, let, I, let, I, let, I, let, I, let, let me let me give a counterpoint. Right. Let me give a counterpoint real quick. Um, what would you say the top six teams in basketball are right now? Uh, I say you got Boston. Yep. I say you got Milwaukee. Okay. I say you got the way they play in the 76ers. Okay. You got uh Denver, you got Minnesota. <laughs> And probably so I'm doing top 16 in I mean, not, not Memphis. <laughs> I'm down, G. Sorry. You're about to give me some mark. I meant to say Memphis. <laughs> okay. I'm down. I meant to say Memphis. Marcus <laughs> line. Eight so, Golden State. All right. So Steph Curry, John Morant, uh, Drew Holiday, uh, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Marcus Smart. I, I don't know, man. I look at those teams. Look at the last five NBA championships. And outside the bubble championship in 2019, 2020 uh, with Anthony Davis, uh, you really don't have any star centers on any of those teams. They were all won by full guards and small forwards. So last year it was – small forwards. Last year, State did not have a center at all, and they won the NBA Finals. The year before that, Drew Holiday was the missing point in, in Milwaukee – them over the, the, the Lopez has some very good games for them. Oh, come on, man. You're not gonna argue. He did. Brooke Lopez, are you? No, but I'm saying <laughs> I'm talking about a position in the playoffs or all season. Any any day, any hour, any minute of the game. A guy that can alter shots around the rim. A guy that Brooke can shoot Lopez threes. couldn't alter your shot. <laughs> But, I but listen to how I answered the question. I said a guy that can alter. I didn't say Britt Lopez. I said a guy that can alter shots around the rim, rebound, and shoot threes for the center position would be more important. NBA champions by year. And I guarantee you, if you look at this list, you will see a lot of teams that do not have a center. Uh, they all have good point cards because there's like 30 of them. By the way, that 16 uh, championship run that Michael Jordan went on. You want to tell me who his center was? Bill Cartwright was a good center. Yeah, Luke for, Longley, for Bill Cartwright. <laughs> yeah, Luke Longley, I mean. Uh, but a lot of times on that second 3 Pete, Rodman was playing center and Kukoc was playing power forward. 
Uh, Golden State didn't have a center. Milwaukee barely had a center. Golden State had come on. Lakers had a power forward that we're going to call a center. So I'll give you that. Uh, Toronto uh, four years ago didn't really have a center. They had Serzy Blocka. He's not. He wasn't a center. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> and Golden State won two in a row without a center. The Cavs won one, and the only big man they had on whole court was a stretch four by the name of Kevin Love. Golden State won in, in 2015 without a center. The third in 2015, they had and they had um Bogut in 2015. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you names that are on a team, but. Bogut's not a top five contributor to a championship roster. Here's the thing, Gene. Here's the thing, Gene. You make valid points. But also, we just talked about the litany of injuries that we are having in the NBA. So these guys, doesn't matter if you have a great center or not, if you have a lot of your important players get injured, you're not going to be able to make a deep run and win championships. And the last, so, the last point, the last point I'll make, is Utah was the number one seed, what, two years ago? And the Los Angeles Clippers had the perfect strategy in the entire world. That's because Rudy Gobert sucks. They spread he's him not, out five he's not, in the, he's not in the top three we're talking about. He's not in, to me, he's not in the top 15. Rudy Gobert is an offensive liability. I hear you. I'm just saying, if I can get me a top center, that's who I want to start my team with. And I will win championships. Okay. Sirs. I give up. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm right. <laughs> You're uh, not right. You're right to yourself. How about that? All right. So, another question Who's the best glue guy in the NBA? Draymond Green. Mm, I hate to agree with you. Draymond Green, followed by Marcus Smart. Yeah, it's a good five. You got a good point. I mean, I, I, I hate to agree with you, but I have to. I, yeah, you have to. I mean, he's the perfect fit for the perfect team, and he uh, does so much for that team. And uh, yeah, he's the glue. I mean, to me, that's not a hard question. That to me, that's kind of easy. I mean, yeah. look what he does. Look at the value he creates. I mean, yeah, case closed. You want to talk about a guy averaging a triple single that Greg Popovich won the MVP of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, he's unselfish. He understands how to pass the ball. Uh, plays defense. He knows what he's doing on the basketball court. He'll, he'll set screens. He Everything that you do on a basketball court, that man does. And he brings toughness. Steph Curry first person that's going to be in your face are about Steph Curry. It's the same thing with Marcus Martin, Boston. Uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are best players on the team. But the coaching staff, particularly last year, named Marcus Smart the leader of that team. Uh, not Jason Tatum, not Jalen Brown. Uh, these blue guys and the guys that the gritty work, the tough guys, to make sure your stars don't get hit. Or when it, when there's something rough that happens, they're the they're the ones that respond. I think that LeBron James would have had even a greater career if he had a good guy around him. You know, I agree with you. And you know, some fellas, which I don't know if you guys remember, Draymond was a big time scrum in college at Michigan State, but he knew what his value would be in the NBA. I mean, he wasn't like uh, 
30 point scorer. But I mean, he was, from what I remember, he was a pretty good scorer. He had a good perimeter game. He had a good uh, mid range game. And when he went to the NBA, I guess he felt how he would be more valuable. And I think he changed his game. Because if you watched him at Michigan State, he was not that type of player. But he went to the right team at the right time with the right system. And it fits. He fits the system, and the system fits him. And he is the glue. He is. Picture them without him. Think about it. <laughs> Picture them without him. I mean, that's, that, that, that's an easy question, my man. Draymond scored 16 points in a game in his best season at Michigan State. The other three, he was 10 or below. His opening season at Michigan State was passed up. Uh, they were talking about transferring. If you ever listen to Draymond Greenfield, it's one of the greatest stories you ever hear. Um, he called his mom up after he signed with Michigan State. They had signed a prospect to start over. I forget who it was, but if you listen to the story, it's insanity. He tells it on his mom. It's a real good listen. But um, it, he was talking about oh, go to a different university. Uh, they, they signed me here and they have somebody over here. And his mom called, Hey, you signed here? You make it work. And that's like, that's all I need to hear, mom. He got off the phone and uh, earned it, it, uh, rotational minutes uh, in his sophomore year. In his junior year, he was a starter. In his senior year, he was the leader of the team. He got drafted. Uh, but Draymond Green was never a, a pro, NBA, you know, top tier prospect, never well, in any level. But you're talking about a guy who understands the game of basketball, where he needs to be at. Uh, he can run point guard for you. He's that screen. You're a forcer. You're best defender. He can defend the one from five, up and down court, energy. And yeah, it's just straight on to me. And uh, Marcus Smart will be a second. I'll put another guy in that conversation, though. Okay. PJ Tucker. I like it. He doesn't score. He's a great he doesn't glue score, guy. but he's a glue guy. He's, he's, a glue defense. he's on the list. You know what I'm saying? But he don't do what Draymond does. He brings, he brings a toughness to his team. Yeah. You know Con, it's mean? no surprise that the 2020 Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA Finals. Exactly. And they were one game away from going to the finals of the Miami That's Heat. Correct. Yeah. There's a reason Paul Embiid said, "Get me PJ Tucker." That's and true. They overpaid him. They pay him thirty million dollars. Thirty million dollars. All right, now since you brought that up, Gene, let's see. Did the Warriors pay Wiggins yes. this year? They paid. Did Wiggins. they pay who this year? That's correct. What's going to happen with Draymond Green? He's gone. He's requested too much money. He wants too much money. That's the question of, from what you all said, what we all said, how much of a value he is to the team, are they going to take care of him? No. And what do you think he's thinking? They took care of Pooh? They took care of Wiggins? What about me? What do you think he's thinking? He's, he's been the good soldier for Golden State for <coughs> And he's not going to get paid. And I apologize. We all know that. He's not. But he'll get paid by another he'll, he'll make his money somewhere else, get his big contract next year with a different franchise. He wants to go to the Lakers, he's there. He's not going to get paid by the Lakers. 
Yeah, they're just going to come up with books. So they'll have somebody. I mean, he's not going to get a max deal anywhere. But that's but. a terrible fit again. Like, unless you're getting rid of LeBron James, it's a terrible fit for Draymond Green to play with the Lakers because they already don't have floor spacing because they don't have enough shooters around LeBron now. Yeah. Add another guy to shoot the team. It doesn't make sense. Uh, I'm, I'm just letting you know what, what he said, where he wants to go. You know, I, mean, I don't think it's a good thing. Uh, you know what know a perfect what... spot for him is? I'm going to tell you the perfect spot for him outside of Golden State. And the spot will have the biggest impact, but he'll never go there. But the way he is and the, like, the, the rivalry he's now built with that team. But the perfect spot for him is John Memphis. It's the Ooh. perfect, the perfect spot. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And they got the money. They have the money. They didn't pay anybody. That's a good. That's a good one. Curious about that. Atlanta is a really good spot, Freddie. Yo, for every, every once in a while, Freddie drops a bit of knowledge, whether it's intentional or unintentional. But I think it's unintentional. Hundred percent great spot for him. With Dejounte and Trey, oh my God, that would be perfect. It's almost like you're recreating the Warriors. And uh, I was talking to one of my buddies today. We were talking about um, the Hawks, and we were saying how Trey is like a uh, so Trey is like if you order Steph Curry from Wish, and they send you Trey, right? So that would be a good place for Draymond to go. Kudos to Freddie. You know what's now funny now about then. it? When he actually deviates from the Lakers super fandom. Which is very rarely. Which is very rarely. But yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah he did. That is a good point. Hey, Fred. Absolutely. That is a good Look point. at this guy. We even going <laughs> to put up his laugh in the motion. Look at this guy. Uh, <laughs> that is a good point, though. I got hey, I got hey. <laughs> hey Kyle, I can't even take credit for that. My boy was the one that actually came up with the Trey's wish carry. I'm not even gonna take credit for that. But I did tell him I was gonna use it and he was good with that. All right, so guys, I mean we threw the topic list. Any other NBA thoughts that you guys want to discuss here on the last episode of the N1 podcast? Go ahead, Gene. I don't have any extra topics, guys. I love talking basketball, but these topics is, are all relevant. I love talking to each one, but uh, I don't have any extra time. I know. Um, I'm, I'm thinking right now. I'm cool. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I really don't have. I mean, we kind of covered quite a bit uh, this evening. I really don't have that much um, right now. Uh, I, again, I, I tell you what, I'm, I am looking forward to. Is the trade deadline, and then I think I can have a more of a outlook on or more of a landscape of what's going to happen uh, uh, during the uh, after the offside break. So right now, I think I think we covered pretty much everything. I think. Well, you got cool. Fair enough, man. I mean, I'm just here to uh, make sure y'all get to say what y'all need to say, and just you know, sprinkling <laughs> a little bit every once in a while. You know, that's 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 all I'm looking for. <laughs> I mean, um, one thought I would have that I did want to just say, not really a topic, but just say, um, I think that the Western Conference is very 
packed, right? You get to you get to three to down to about what 10, 12. We're talking about five or six game difference in the win column, right? So I think that we're gonna see a lot of movement as far as teams um in the West. But I will say top two teams I feel like are gonna be there at the top, and everyone else is going to be playing catch up. And also, I'm excited about the top of the Eastern Conference as well. It's a little bit more robust as far as the teams I think can be there. Uh, but I think whoever we do end up getting in the finals, when all the dust settles, I think it will be a good matchup. You know, Denver's got to play somebody who's going to be great this week. I want to say one one quick thing. <laughs> go ahead, man. Go ahead. And my back, my back is hurting for me batting it so hard. But coming into this season, I told you, <laughs> the best three rookies in this draft. I watched them all year in college last year. I watched them year after. I told you who the best three rookies were coming out of this class. Is it your back or your shoulder that's hurting? What did you say? I said, is it your back or is it your shoulder? My back. Your back. back. But I told you the best three rookies in this class. Um, Paolo Bencaro, best rookie in this class. And then followed by Aiden Ivy and Benedict Matherin. And no one wanted to listen to me when I said those three. I was like, Jabari Smith. Yo, Jabari Smith is going to be a rotational bust to his entire career. He is going to be a 16 and 8 guy. I don't, I, he might make an all star team once or twice. He's not the second overall pick coming out of this draft. Jabari, Aiden Ivy and Benedict Matherin both have better careers in the NBA. I watched Jaden Ivey last year in Purdue, and the kid is just next level. Great. Um, I'm very rarely wrong about my college prospect a lot. The only one I was a little bit off on was Angelo Russell. I thought he would be so much better coming out of Ohio State, watching the bounce pass, the, the, the full-court bounce pass making Ohio State that were insanity. Now, Angelo Russell turned into a very, very nice player in the NBA. Long career. I think Jabari will have to um, – will really have to stretch to have a career like D'Angelo Russell did. I got one more thing to say, Coop, before we, we, we leave. I want to ask Gene because I know he follows college basketball. Yes, sir. I think, and maybe I'm wrong, you probably watch more than me, the most talented player I've seen thus far in the NCAA – is a kid Davis out of Memphis. What do you think? I mean, you talking about the kid plays for Penny Hardaway. I love watching him play. Absolute stud. Um, he's probably the most talented player in the NBA in the coming into the NBA. Um, I don't I don't disagree with that. I, I think I love the college basketball game. Yes, it is. Yes. But I think the part that really solidified me watching these prospects is the conference tournament and the tournament got a play moment where they're playing big game after big game after big game every other day when the moment is big, when the cameras are on. Memphis probably has two nationally televised games so far this season. Um, I will see what he does when he makes it to the tournament. Memphis should have made it to the tournament. But the point being is um, there's so many solid players that are coming out of college Wembenyama, the best player, he'll be the number overall pick. He's not coming in from college, but this year's one of those those situations where the only player that's coming out of college that might get picked in the top ten 
will be Cam Whitmore. Maybe I'm just a bit of a homer. But everybody else from these overtime, these uh, G League affiliates, um, and you can't forget about from Alabama. It's a stud, too. He fills it up, and he plays a great coach there. So, um, stretch guy. We'll see. Uh, Arkansas is the team to watch in the NCAA Final Four. You have a couple dollars, and you want to throw 20 bucks on a team to win the uh, NCAA tournament. Arkansas is is going to have two guys that are going to go in the top 20 in the draft, and Nick Smith Jr. is the kid to look out for from Arkansas. That kid is going to be uh, a superstar in the NBA. And that's cool. And, and you know something, uh, Gene and Koo, this year – I think, you know, in years past, most recent years, there's like always been a clear-cut favorite. This year, you don't know. Gonzaga got beat last night. I mean, you it's the parody. Gonzaga's is, not it, though, bro. Gonzaga's not it. Gonzaga had their opportunity two years ago. Uh, last year with Andrew Nemhard, maybe. But when they had Jalen Suggs and Drew Timmy, that was the team they had. Jalen Suggs was the guy, and Drew Timmy was the perfect playoff. Uh, I, I told you last year, Chad was soft. Every time there was a bigger guy in the paint, he got bullied. Um, it happened to him in the uh, NCAA tournament. I'm telling you, when I say this, and I mean it in the nicest way possible, Gonzaga's best opportunity to win themselves a national championship two years ago, Jalen said. I, they won't sniff. I don't think they sniff the final four this year. There's too many talented. Drew Timmy can't do it by himself. I. One more question, y'all. Yes, Is sir. this Pat Ewing's last year at Georgetown? <laughs> be nice. Just be nice. <laughs> I would hope he would want to just bow down and uh, leave that opportunity if they don't even fire him. I would hope he would just want to leave. I'm just um, leaving it at that. It's really tough for Georgetown to actually do that. But, yeah, this will be his last year at Georgetown. It's tough for Georgetown to fire a legend like that. But the answer is yes. I just looked it up just for the hell of it. Um, if you have $40 in your account you're listening to the show, I'm telling you, $20 on UFC to win the national championship. They had all returning stars last year. They never start strong. They'll be a four or five or six seed, depending on how things work out. $20 pays $900 right now. Odds are absolutely ridiculous. And then Arkansas was going off at plus six thousand. Twenty dollars patient, twelve hundred dollars. Got forty bucks. I'm telling you, throw twenty on each one, and I guarantee you, my guarantee, my personal guarantee that one of those two will be in the final four, and you'll be able to cash out for four or five times your money. Wow. Wow. You know, I had um I had uh Reggie Williams on my show. Who was a teammate of uh, Pat Ewing, uh, and I even asked him. I said, "How much time you think your boy got?" And he was, "Not much, not not much at all." You know what I mean? So, we, I I just feel bad. You know, I'm at, and you know, a legend like that going through some tough times like that. It's it's tough. Like you said, it's tough to get rid of a legend. But I think I think it's time for him to go. Hundred percent. Like I said, man, I would hope he would just step down so they don't have to feel like they had to actually get rid of him. Just step down, bro. Yeah. Yeah. It's not happening. Yeah. 
I actually, as we're sitting here, I just put fifty dollars in my FanDuel account, and I'm putting five, twenty-five on both teams, North Carolina and Arkansas, to win the college basketball uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, and one pays out eleven hundred fifty dollars. The other one pays out at fifteen hundred and twenty-four hours. Uh, I promise I will be able to cash these out for at least three hundred dollars. I'm going to have to talk to you later on off the air. <laughs> All right. So um, one other thing I wanted to make sure that uh, we touched on today. It's not a sports topic, but it's a show topic, right? Yes, sir. We will be changing times and names starting next week. Starting next week, you will see us at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we will be, I'm going to let Gene break the new name out for y'all. Gene, tell them what our new name will be, sir. Top of the key. I love it. Top of the key and the picture, the image, you'll see it. We'll, we'll uh, unveil it next week. The image is perfect for it. Um, it also is a, a little small tribute to uh, Key in the building who uh, helps us a ton with the production. So it's oh, top man. of the key. And that, it, it's kind of it, – it's a multifaceted name, and it, it's very unique. And uh, has its uh, its own flavor and flow to it. And me and Cool have talked for you know multiple times through Messenger about how to make this show better and, and get more interactive basketball talk. And I've seen new names in the chat. I really appreciate Carlos Vasquez hopping in. Um, I really I, I just believe that when you put out good quality uh, content, you're going to see your your, your traffic growth um, yep. and we're committed to put out we're committed to putting out great quality content the content way more to me than the hot takes of the um, <laughs> no I'm scared there's no shot nobody no, no shade to anybody but the content is important being able to have somebody like comment stop on guys got so much basketball knowledge I love listening to talk uh, being able to talk basketball cool each week like, we can name you six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys on the bench. Like, you know you're listening to the right people, right? You're not listening to a situation where, like, well, LeBron is just going to do it. Great. <laughs> That's not you – know, you have to understand what, 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 right. what the X's and O's are. I promise you, not an embarrassing situation like Skip Bayless was. Cuban asked him what defense the Dallas Mavericks were running to, to make LeBron look to his left. He was just like, uh, uh, uh not how that game works. Understand the type of crap that he owns, uh, shell coverage. Most people don't understand what that means, and we're here to break it away. Absolutely, sir. I mean, I don't think there's much else that needs to be said after Gene and his uh, eloquent soliloquy. So we're going to uh, yeah, end things um, on that note. Uh, just a little something for you guys to uh, check out here. Um, again, appreciate everyone. Starting next week, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, top of the key. Make sure you tune in. It's going to be fun. <laughs>